Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. friend Akibamis, how are you? Well, such a elaborate hello dear friends, dearie bands. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. Delighted to be talking about Star Trek and all of its glory with you. And all of its glory. And this was we just experienced a pretty great episode of Star Trek. It had everything. Oh yeah. Had the no win scenario. We got out of it. But are we out of it? Indeed. How out of it have we got? Mmm. From the frying pan to the fire. Into the beautiful jellyfish uh, birthing area. Beef baby. You know? All right. <laughs> okay. Well, hey there, listener. You're listening to Set Phasers, a highly illogical, if you couldn't tell already, Star Trek podcast. Today, we're talking about season three of Ricard, the final season. Uh, season three, episode four, entitled "No Win Scenario." Today's star date, incidentally, is star date two three four three one one point four. And gosh, things are really heating up at long last here in wherever we are. Not the Delta Quadrant. We're just outside Federation space. Maybe we're still in the Alpha Quadrant. Mm. I don't know. Before we get into the show, though, we gotta handle a little business. Yes. Are you missing Star Trek nerds from your life? Are you missing? raps about dogs are you missing cooking what? shows well my rap about my dog okay yeah i know well join us on patreon uh where we at set phasers will will come together with you we will be part of our community we will make friends we will break bread together and uh, generally just be be good chums on patreon so please do join us we uh, have a zoom hang i think next week on sunday the, the week after Mm -hmm. the 25th of march it's it's the last sunday in march that's what we're going for um prior to easter and all that fun stuff so join us patreon.com forward slash set phasers where you can come and join and be friends with us on patreon.com forward slash set phasers pew 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 you too come on You've done pew, 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 There we go. <laughs> okay, well, I guess with that, we just, it's time to run it down. Yes! Yeah. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? Talk about the car down. Star Trek Picard. You know what? I am constantly caught unawares by that and also impressed, even though I know it's me and it's sort of solipsistic, that it switches to the TNG theme. Okay, let's talk about this episode entitled No (laughs) Win Scenario. A little micro Kobayashi Maru for this uh, 
this, uh, you know, the too many cooks. <laughs> There's too many captains on this ship. There's too many captains, former captains, and soon to be captains. But they they all have to find a way to work together because as you remember the end of the last episode. They're fighting the Shrike inside this nebula that maybe isn't a nebula, and then uh, Riker wanted to run, and Picard wanted Riker to fight, and then they were at this the moment of you no know, return, and Riker decided to fight, but then the Shrike used their weird, excuse me, wormhole anus technology to uh, have what they fired fire on them, and then the ship was disabled and falling into the gravity well of this nebula. So this nebula has a gravity well, they're flying away, and the Shrike and Captain Vatic take off. But Riker's upset. He says, you did this to us. Get off my bridge. Well, we begin episode four with a flashback. A flashback, the well to which we will return several times this episode. It's basically Picard five years ago on a, a different Frontier Day, because this is all supposed to be happening around Frontier Day, trying to eat uh, some fish and chips, it seems like in the 10 forward bar in America or wherever Guinan's bar is terrestrially. And he gets sort of surrounded by cadets who discover that he's there and they pin him questions. They're like, well, tell us about this thing. Tell us about that thing. And then he basically says, you know, what matters is if you really trust your crew and your team, then you're never completely out of options. You're never completely out of hope. And with that, we go back to the ship falling through the nebula, losing power. The engines are all screwed up. The life support is down. They're out of energy. Uh, what are they going to do? They only have so much power. Riker basically is on the bridge and he decides they just got to pull off the light. They can either do life support or they can try to do some sort of ship's maneuvering stuff. Basically, he puts everything into life support. They give them a few hours. Maybe they'll be saved. And he has all the crew gather in collected places and stop using any non-essential stuff. There's another one of those flashes from the nebula that kind of hits the ship and causes all the lights to go crazy. And so they have to lower the shields. Otherwise, that whole reaction is going to cause the ship to blow up. And so that's the whole scene. And then Riker actually goes to Picard. This is a weird reversal. And he just immediately says, he tells him what the deal is. And then he's like, you know what? You're right. We, we should have fought before. And he explains this whole weird. So now we get Riker's weird psychological thing, right? His, his like, what's he doesn't believe there's anything after death, basically. Yes, I think so. He says there's nothing after, and it caused him to be basically a drag. And Deanna could feel it every. You could like feel that emotion, and so he thought he would get away from her so she wouldn't have to feel it. And basically, he's like, so what I would suggest you do with the next three hours: get to know your son. Meanwhile, seven of nine still on the hunt for this. Uh, are you gonna? Well, I mean, sometimes I say seven of nine, and I see your eyebrows go, and I go. She went like, "Well, uh, to be fair, seven does something really exciting in this episode, so we could use it then." We could use it then. We could use it then. Honestly, so anyway, seven of nine, get excited! Is this whole show has got like kind of cre- things are building? So still looking for uh, that changeling we discovered was on board does find the room of the dead transport officer, finds his body, reports this to Riker. It's like, this guy's been dead since before uh, Jack came on. So this changing was in position before Jack was there, which is an interesting thing to think about. Uh, oh, and this did make room. I know this is not necessarily time for tinfoil, but remember that guy was watching Riker and Picard in the bar in the yeah. first episode? Yeah. Changeling? Ooh, good call. I don't know. Anyway... 
Riker's like, okay, this could really blow things up. Even though we're all about to die and we only have three hours, he's like, you, I think staying in a non-official capacity could be better. So he basically gives Seven, the, she gets to be like a, a Fenris ranger on Titan. She's basically like, I'm going to hunt down a little. Anyway, I loved it. I just, I wanted the whole episode to be Seven hunts down a criminal on the beleaguered decks of the USS Titan. So she's trying to track him down. Meanwhile, Beverly is doing what Beverly does, figuring out that the flashes are not random, starts counting them down. Picard takes an opportunity to talk to his son, Jack. Uh, and they go to uh, the holodeck, which apparently runs on its own little battery, at least for the purpose of this episode. Otherwise, there could be a holodeck. Yeah, and, and in the history of Star Trek, I have never heard this explanation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was first surprisingly like, oh yeah, the ship is falling apart. We only have enough energy to put for four hours of life support, but yeah, the holodeck runs on its own little battery, so we can drink fake whiskey in this bar. Uh, it was a yeah. little bit jumping the shark. No, it's it's a bit of a shark jump, but it is a cute place for them to have all the action that happens in the holiday. Anyway, Picard and Jack talk, and they start sharing each other's, you know, stories from each other, and Jack is not a wine guy, so they have whiskey. Uh, meanwhile, Seven goes to Shaw for help trying to find this changeling because she, as much as she hates to admit it, he knows more about this crew than anyone else. Shaw is in a dark place. He's, like, sharpening a knife you know, with his, like, leg bandaged up in his cane. But he does tell... Uh, he does learn about the changeling and then is able to help Seven sort of figure out how you would track down a changeling. Uh, and he tells her about the pot, the little pot they have to go into because they can't keep their solid form. Uh, Beverly continues to, we get this like flashes of Beverly doing the countdown. Seven's looking for the pot. The Shrike, ooh, this is a creepy part. So that's all happening on the ship. And I think there's a, a period where, anyway, no, because we'll do this in order because we go to the Shrike and we see Captain Vatic contact their boss by cutting off their hand in a well of something like cutting off their hand in a juicy well and then a weird liquid bone meat thing comes up and speaks to her and says you got to go back you're all uh expendable i want you to obtain and deliver the asset so pursue no matter what it does to your ship and even if you have to get rid of your sweet daystrom uh wormhole anus weapon uh so one thing here so you never watched these space nine i did so not. you never really saw changelings i was wondering if this is it so when they did in these space nine the changelings turned into like a gold soup looks like broth looks like a cute gelatin broth it's not meat juice <laughs> like we keep saying in this okay so the, we're saying these are like that meat thing was not a changeling that freaked me out. I well, see, I didn't realize. So then later, Seven is was tracking down. Uh, you know, is is caught by the changeling and shoots the changeling, and then the changeling, and then the changeling turns into juice, and the juice is all meat juice. Meat looks like weird liquid fat meat. So I'm guessing the changelings are this now, or these are different kinds of changelings. I don't know. Well, I don't know. It's much more. The other changelings like turned into like a clear liquid, and it was very clean and fine this looks like it looks like whatever they turn into now smells terrible well yes but from what i've seen the meat hand thing was not the change thing the meat hand thing like 
When we saw the changelings die or change, it didn't look like the same thing to me. Didn't it? No. I thought when the changeling goes up into the circuitry, it looks sort of like liquid flesh. It, well, yeah, it looked like liquid flesh. But do you think that that was what the blah thing was? The, the meat head? That's a totally different thing. That Vatic, who maybe is a changeling, has to be a changeling, I guess, if they cut off their hand, can talk to somebody. Like, that's very Star Wars. Like, the, just the part of the face of the big bad is now liquid flesh floating. It was definitely something that we've not really seen in Trek before. No, it was super weird. Not saying I didn't like it. And then the, she then, like, joyfully, psychotically starts singing as they go back into the nebula to hunt their prey. But anyways, that's a curious thing for those of us who know, who have dealt with changelings, that these changelings are not the kind we know. Uh, so yes, Seven does find that changeling, and they fight, and then the changeling jumps up into the circuitry and takes off. There's a little bit more of the flashback, and Picard gets asked about his time with Jack Crusher, his bestie, for when they were on the Stargazer and when they stuck on a shuttle together, because they were both... <coughs> <coughs> You know, trying to go to the planet to do some Kirk-style stuff. Uh, and so he actually tells that whole story to Jack in Ten Forward. Yeah. Tinfoil. Tinfoil. So there's a part in his story where he's like, yeah, we were basically just going to pick up women. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a part of this story that's going to come out where he and Jack met Beverly at the same time? Ooh. And Picard went off and did something else and missed out Ooh. on Beverly. What do you think? I mean, that would be heartbreaking. <laughs> possible. It's very possible. And then it brings back the story of like they were meant for each other. Yeah. You know, like the sort of paths that diverged. And then I agree back. with you that they were very vague about what was going on there. I wonder, like he didn't say everything else. He's very certain. We were going to this, doing to that. And he's like, oh, we were going to see these two ladies on this planet or whatever. And then we had to go back. So then we borrowed a shuttle to go back. And then, and then the show got jacked up. So, yeah, could be Beverly. But why was Beverly on uh, Argelia's 4? <laughs> well, I do, I'm not saying that was Beverly, but I'm saying if those two are friends, that obviously if that oh, was okay. pre-Beverly and Jack. Oh, yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. They must have met Beverly at the same time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he describes the experience of having to fly the shuttle back blind with no sensors having to split the energy between the thrusters and the uh, whatever else. And it took 10 hours and they're afraid they'd never make it and they had to inch out and they had to do it. As this is happening, we finally get the backstory for Shaw. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, really? Well, to me. Okay. Yes, turns out Shaw was uh, on the USS Constance the star date 44002.3, which many of us will know as the Battle of Wolf 359, when Locutus of Borg took on an entire Federation armada and basically destroyed everybody. Uh, before uh, he would, they were the, his crew was able to save him. Uh, so we find out that Shaw was just a grease monkey, so so to speak. Uh, and that 50 people made it down to the lifeboat. It's the usual story. There were only 10 seats. They didn't fight over the seats. They waited for orders because they were Starfleet. And some lieutenant showed up and started picking people at random. And he was the 10th person. And, and the other 40 people had to stay. And they all died at Wolf 359. And he says, quote, I'm just some dipshit from Chicago, but I got to live. And he wonders why. And then Jack interrupts him. And Picard's like, no, it's all right. I get it. I should go. 
and Picard leaves. Jack follows. Uh, and they run into Beverly in the hallway. Beverly's like, hey, there's a pattern. This ain't just some nebula. Guess what? It's a womb. B- womb. 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 It's not Woomba. Womb. I know, but womb. suddenly when I'm trying to say it out loud, it sounds womb. Womb. Does that sound right? Womb. It's a womb. Silent B. Womb. It's a silent B. You get it. It's not, I'm not asking for whom does the bell toll. I'm saying for womb. this nebula is a, is a, <laughs> for whom does the bell toll? <laughs> yeah, she's like, look, it's taking, an, it's taking matter in and uh, creating energy, but that means that the matter is being reconstituted, which means that there's the gravity well means that there's matter somewhere at the center of this thing and it's growing because it's pulling things down. And so that is uh, an issue. It's like contractions. So they go find Riker and they, they hatch this plan again with Riker, which is like to use the waves that come out to fuel the ship to fly away, to get out. Like just a perfect TNG wrap up the episode, the last 12 minutes kind of plan. But Riker's like, I don't know, man. I don't know if we can do it. He was trying to send a message to Deanna in case they all died on the ship and the ship was recovered. There'd be a message for her. And he's feeling like this is like much more like throwing themselves into the jaws of death, which again, he's having some issues with. But Jack and Beverly and Picard managed to win him over. Beverly specifically saying that Deanna would say it comes down to trust. And if you trust us, you would know that we could do this. And then Riker's like, you know, we could channel that energy straight into the warp core and then we could go to warp. And they're like, okay, let's do it. But then Picard and Seven have to go to Shaw because they realize that he's the only one that can like uh, hotwire the the nacelles so that they can overload, so that they can feed the warp core, so that they can go to warp, which means everyone's working together. Captains, commanders, admirals, Jack, families. It's just everyone coming together here in this no-win scenario, you would think. Uh, and so you got... Riker on the bridge with everybody. You got Picard, you got Jack, you got Beverly. Seven and Shaw go down to engineering to uh, jury rig this uh, nacelle situation. <clears throat> they need an old grease monkey in order to do this hot wearing of the, the nacelles. While there, Seven and Shaw realize, you know, this would be a perfect time. If I was a changeling and I realized that this, everything hinged on this, this would be the perfect time for me to attack. So they calm something to Riker. And then uh, we don't really get to see what it is because obviously it's a cool thing. And and we see that on the bridge, Riker gives the con to Picard, who's going to, he's got the experience flying blind. He's going to tell LaForge what to do. LaForge is in front. He's And it's all like things are happening. They're going to catch that wave and they're going to try to fly out of this place. Shaw's trying to get the covers off. He gets one off. And then who should walk into engineering to try and help him as Seven walks away? But Ensign LaForge. Oh, hey, my father was Geordie LaForge. I can help you. Now, I thought the changeling had to kill the person. No. Okay. They just happened to have killed all the people that they were impersonating before. Okay. The changeling only has to see, I think, maybe one time. They were like, touch it, maybe. I forget what it is. But they don't have to kill them at all. This is just, yeah. They killed the, well, they killed the engineer. Did they kill the other? We don't know about the other. Yes. Well, there was some, there was at least another person who died. Who was being impressed. So, yeah. I, I mean, tinfoil that I now know is not true. I thought maybe it was going to be Shaw. Anyway, the point is, <clears throat> we all know the viewer, LaForge, is the changeling. 
And, but there's like a test they have to do. Usually you have to ask it a question. If it doesn't know something very simple, then you know it's the changing. That's how you can tell. It's the only way you can tell if they mimic the voice and the shape and the look of the person that matters perfectly. So Seven gets this LaForge at gunpoint and says, what's my name? And this LaForge answers, Commander Hansen, which of course we know. Sucks to be you. <laughs> because she always refers to her as... Commander Seven. Commander Seven. And that's when she, pew, 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 Seven kills the changeling. Is that when we're going to drop the song? <gasps> yeah, well, uh, I was trying to set you up. Oh, thanks. Wait, isn't yes, that? Yes, let's play the song. It's seven of nine. It's seven of nine. That's how I always feel Why like I must have been at the end like of that. Creepy. Like I had just done like a figure skating routine. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um, waiting for the judges. Yes, but when it's just audio, it, it's going to sound weird. <laughs> You're right. Touche. I am so sorry. My apologies. Uh, yeah, so Seven takes out this changeling. Bada bing, bada boom. Shaw gets the covers off the second nacelle. Uh, they get hit by the wave. They're navigating through the through the uh, asteroids. There are some asteroids coming up right in front. So Picard has Jack call out the position so that he can call out the maneuvers to LaForce. Do it all going blind. Thrusters get to ninety eight percent. Yes, thrusters get to ninety eight percent. That's not enough, even though the wave is finished. So Riker makes the bold move of deciding to transfer all power from life support into the thrusters to get it up to hopefully 100%. They're in the wave. They get hit. Boom! Power comes back. They've got what they need. Picard tells LaForge to gun it. She says they can hit warp in 90 seconds. The nebula is changing internally. And then they see the Shrike dead ahead. Uh, and Vatic uh, recites some crazy uh, uh, Wrath of Khan style poetry as she sees her her uh, her prey at her sights, but Riker's now got his groove back. So as they're flying forward with momentum, he uses the track. He has them use the tractor beam to grab the asteroids they just flew past and fling them ballistically at the strike, which knocks the strike into a serious free fall of its own. And then Vatic is like, oh, I can't. They're like, everything's screwed up. It's gonna take an hour to fix. Maybe they fall to their death, or maybe they are too hardy to die. Uh, they are, after all, quasi changelings. The nebula breaks up. Uh, the ship is pushed out. The Shrike is in the rear view. We get to see a beautiful space jellyfish. Just as everyone arrives to the bridge, so you got everyone, including cranky old uh, dipshit from Chicago. Um, another great line. <laughs> so good. Another great line for Captain Shaw. Yeah, uh, gets there and they and uh, to seek out new life. Beverly says. And then uh, Riker says, I think we should boldly get the hell out of here. And they go to war. <laughs> uh, and then just a final little epilogue. We get our final flashback and we see that uh, when Picard was holding court while his, his haddock, not haddock, haddock, right? Got cold. 
Uh, he was questioned by a stranger at the bar with a hat low over their eyes, some British boy, some young man who said, what about a real family? And Picard answered, young man, Starfleet has been the only family I ever needed. Turns out that young man was Jack Crusher. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't tell from their meaningful, extremely long eye contact if they suddenly both knew that, or if Picard is remembering it, or if they were just looking at each other because they hadn't died. But whatever. Riker talks to Troy. Very tearful moment. It's very sweet. Uh, where Riker's like, I've been in a bad place, but I'm going to come out of it because I remembered, you know, what this whole thing is about. Uh, Picard does an admiral's log, and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Right? That's it. That's the end of the episode. Yeah. Peace. Oh, wait. No. Oh, that's right. Uh, Jack looks in the mirror and has a crazy vision oh, of yes. flesh on the walls and a red door opening and a voice screaming, find me. Yeah. So everything's cool. Here ended. <laughs> what a crazy ending. Uh, let's chat about that. I say, darling, let's do a quick chat about that. Yes. Yes, let's do. So... Space babies. Oh my god, space babies. Yeah, little little space squids. Mm-hmm. Encephalopods in space. I do. Spacey, spacey, cute. spacey squids. And they all go, oh, no kinds of life. This nebula gave birth to protect us. Uh, I don't know, there's a lot to it. I mean, my, the thing I'm focused on primarily is we finally get this backstory for Shaw, which is why he hates mm-hmm. Picard and Riker so much. Is because he yep. lost so many friends, eleven thousand dead at Wolf Three Five Nine. I mean, I get it, but I mean, come on, it's Starfleet, bro. You got to be more enlightened than that. You got if you're going to be captain, you can't be like, you know. But I get it. It's mm-hmm. it's the driving force of a lot of people's futures in Starfleet was that they were survivors of Wolf Three Five. Uh, so that's just too bad. And it's it's like Picard's demons continue to hound him. Uh, mm-hmm. You would think people would be like, well, you know, he was taken over by, by the Borg. I wonder, tinfoil time, does this mean we're going to see mm. a Borg queen? Don't know. We've got um, Borgati out there somewhere. We do, but I don't think Alison Pill will reprise her role. And we know that the Borg queen sadly has passed. True. So, I mean, I would imagine not. Yeah. All right. I mean, fair enough. They've, how many Borg Queens have been played? We've had four, three, four, three, four, 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 four Borg Queens. Alison Pill. Yeah. yeah. Well, not counting them anyway. But yes. Um, so I don't know. I wouldn't, that's, I wouldn't bet on that one. All right. Listen, Tinfoil is a safe space where anything can happen. Lorca could show up. Okay. Lor- no, Lorca is never showing up. Lorca could show up, Stevie. Don't, don't crush my dreams okay um i've been crushing your dreams since 2021 (laughs) (laughs) stop with this lorca business i mean what else to say about this episode uh i i'm creeped out about the changelings and i'm wondering if that's like a change like how they change how klingons look or if this is a different kind of changeling that's kind of somehow grosser than the changelings. time will tell here's the thing about changelings when they in their, in their natural state, they're not humanoid. They hang out in a big lake of changeling juice. <laughs> but it's not, that's what I'm saying. It's not the weird changeling juice from this episode of Picard. It's like, it looks like a 
like a mead or something. It looks like a honey. It looks like honey. So then they all like, ooh, mm, I'm joining the Great Lake. And they go swirl together in the big honey pool. And that's how they live. Unless they decide they want to go out. That sounds like a very unhygienic bath. Well, but they're made of... The point is, no one wants to hang out in a big pool of, 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 of pink meat. What they call the stuff... Remember when McDonald's was in trouble a couple of years ago for what they made their McNuggets out of? I think it was called pink yeah. slime. Some, I, I know what you're talking about. Anyway, that's what these chains look like to me. Pink slime. That's it. I don't know. Jack, something's going on with Jack's head. Oh, why is Jack the asset? What is the asset that's about Jack? Is he got like, is he carrying something like maybe he's been injected with something and he's like right. a host? I don't know. Did he mind meld with somebody? It's like a weird for him to be like seeing the weird veins on the wall and the red door. Mm. It seems very red makes me think Vulcan, but that's my own bias. with Vulcan himself. But I don't know. It's not something that it's, it's not something Beverly seems to know. This seems to be a secret. Shall we go to Easter eggs? Yeah, let's go to Easter eggs. As always, we come directly to uh, the set phasers. Test. We go directly to Stevie Bands outside with Easter eggs. Stevie, how are you today? Well, hi there, Augie. Hi there. How are you doing? I'm coming to you live from the set of Star Trek Picard, episode four, entitled "A No Win." scenario we have several easter eggs today Great. starting with of course the title no win scenario mm -hmm. this of course refers to the kubayashi maru mm -hmm. first introduced in the wrath of khan interestingly this is the third episode of a new star trek series uh, to reference this in an episode titled mm -hmm. in the past two years oh fun fact <laughs> you need to record that please i will in, so in uh, Discovery Season 4, uh, the premiere was in fact called Kobayashi Maru, mm -hmm. while the sixth episode of Prodigy in early 2022 was called Kobayashi. So not super recent, but, you know, still. Interesting. We're going for Okay. Now, when we went into 10 forward, there was a plethora of Easter eggs just dotted around mm -hmm. for us to find you eagle-eyed beads. Um, introduced in Season 2, this version of 10 forward was it, it's just it's brimming with easter eggs um so we see a model of the enterprise c we see a photo of picard and guinan from generations mm. a photo of an andorian and an original series uniform a publicity still of Whoopi as guinan from the next generation actually and a sign for frontier day um and this could indicate that this celebration might occur every five years that it's not annual right. so you know that's what makes it a bit more special we celebrate it every five years who knows um metallus hmm. four we had another little joke from metallus um jo uh, jack tells jean-luc a story about metallus four which he says was a real dump mm -hmm. this is one of the many references to showrunner terry metallus throughout the series and of course metallus prime is the crime-ridden planet um which we joked about for the first third the first three episodes now um did you spot odo no, I didn't see Odo. Where's Odo? Odo, so Shaw gives Seven the lowdown on the limits of the shapeshifters. And on the pad, Shaw hands Seven, we see a changeling report, which also shows a picture of Obo, Rene... Aubergeois. Thank you. From Deep Space Nine. <laughs> oh, I was like, Aubergeois. 
Did you ever watch Hello Hello? No. It's a it's a British show from I'm gonna say it's the 1970s, and it's about um, it you it's bizarre that it, to make it sound like a sitcom it, it's really hard to explain. So it's about um, uh, it's set in France during the Second World War, and it's about the f- sort of French resistance. Oh my god! Yeah, I know, and I think it's with French, and obviously it's all these British people doing. It with the French accent and of it's course. ah René ah oui René and then you've got the German people who say ah fine it's fine sure um, yeah it's just British people doing French and German accents it's very fun but you know to, to make a sitcom out of it is you know from a German and French resistance thing it's it's bonkers but yes when I whenever I hear René I'm like René looks like I'll be looking up oh please do he was a a cafe owner and they were always trying to smuggle um, I think it was a a painting of uh, the Mona Lisa with the big boobies or something Uh, uh, yeah I know it's it's whatever and you know I think because the Nazis were stealing art I don't know anyway um, space babies at space Farpoint. Baby. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yes, you mentioned Far. I didn't. Yeah, you're right. Yes, Doctor Crusher determines the nebula is full of space-dwelling alien life forms. She points out that this is not the first time they've encountered creatures like this, and Picard says Farpoint, um, referencing mm. the giant space jellyfish in the very first episode of the Next mm-hmm. Generation the ever encounter Farpoint. Farpoint. Yes. yes, so that was quite fun, and I Parts just love that he went Farpoint. Yeah, he just goes Farpoint. Farpoint. <laughs> Um, the Admiral's log. Now, Jean-Luc closes the episode, as we know, with a voiceover, his Admiral's log. This is the mm-hmm. first time he's done it in the entirety of Picard's series. Mm. Um, we've heard a log-style voiceover from Patrick Stewart um, since, I think it was the last one was in Nemesis, and the episode concludes with a tease about deeper mysteries concerning Jack Crusher. But for now, the first four episodes of the season feel very much like a conclusion of one long action-packed next generation Mm -hmm. which i am loving it just feels like a movie of a next generation episode it just continues it's like 10 movies i love it uh yeah so that's that's everything here from the easter egg uh deck um here at star trek picard season three episode four it's back to you in the studio thank you very much and i like that we have decks now it makes me feel like we're on a ship um, well, I mean, well, if you listen to the episode, we have the bridge hum. So that's it feels, right. if you're listening to this, you have that experience. And by the way, do it on headphones. You got it. Yeah. You got to immerse yourself, which makes me yep. think maybe I should do more of a Stevie. Tell us what the Easter eggs are. That was my <laughs> shepherd. Um, it's not good. Oh, uh, shall, shall, we, shall we move on to quotable moments, please? Let's, Put me out of my misery. Quotable moments. What do you have? Oh, you know, it starts with, that's a beautiful quote right in the beginning. There will be a time when you will need to remember, no matter how bleak or unwinnable a situation, as long as you and your crew remain steadfast in your dedication one to another, you are never, ever without hope. Mm. 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 Meaningful, meaningful, meaningful. Uh... Shaw about the changelings. Uh, he says, they're goo people, walking, talking, clay dough. He yep. really is. 
a dipshit from Chicago, even though he's a cat. He yes, he just, is. That's a very brusque. But maybe he's, uh, you know. Uh, he does also say after he interrupts Picard and he yells at him about Wolf 359. And that's when everyone else is in the holodeck and Picard's left and everyone's sort of standing there quietly uh, feeling awkward. He says, forgive me. At some point, asshole became substitute for charm. So he's self-aware now. Yes, I had that one too. Uh, what have you got? I had a nice little um, TNG moment. And Beverly says, Will, did you just throw an asteroid? And he goes, mm. God damn right I did. Yes. God damn right I did. God damn right I did. <laughs> Very. Riker. Riker. Yeah. I'm Riker. Oh, that could be your new song. I'm Riker. Uh, uh, I'm Riker. Uh. I'm Riker. Sounds like I might need a production of a little. <laughs> I've heard that I recently heard this rap, this dog rap. That's pretty much the right kind of production I might need for the Riker song. Oh, time. do you want to hit? We can we can play the dog rap if you like. I think we should save that for the end. <laughs> what end? This I don't is, know. Where do we put in end. this dog rap? We have to. Let me do one more quote. All right, all right, right. Jack saying when Jack is like, "Here's how we're going to do this plan." He says. We mash the speed of the wave, use the energy drawn from it, and Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. We hightail it out of the nebula, away from the gravity well, away from the ship out there, and away from our new friends, the space babies. I like that. Very good. Oh, we gotta give props to Vatic. Uh, chase fast enough, hunt well enough, open your jaw wide enough, and eventually the prey runs right into the mouth of the beast. Right before her ship gets hit with the aforementioned asteroid. Ah, asteroid. Asteroid. Oh, I thought, never mind. Okay, fine. What? It was a joke, like, get kicked in the ass. Okay. Asteroid. I, listen, ast I... I it was an ass joke. I don't typically <clears throat> make such crued jokes as you may know. I am... <clears throat> above all that. I'm above all that. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm above fine. all that. I don't improve into your... Okay, well, are we going to go to next time or are we going to go to dog rap? Oh, well, we could go to dog rap if you want. Or should we let's keep go, it for a... No, let's go to dog rap. All right. So last week, if you uh, listened to the episode, I told Aki, for some particular reason, I don't really know how this Me came either. up, that I uh, had created a little rap for my dog. And it was purely just for funsies. And I said I was going to um, sing it for him and we've got to do it during the episode. Now, between then and now, I have had a bit of time on my hands and I thought, oh, I'll just make a little, just make a little rap out of it. So here it is. This is, um, <clears throat> I'm calling it Frankie's Rap. Step. That's great. I'm a black dog. I'm a fat dog. I'm a snuggle and a black. It's for a nap dog. I'm a hot dog. Yeah. I'm a long dog. Yeah. I'm Snacks in the pack, dog. It's Frankie. It's Frankie. What do you think? Uh, well, don't I, I mean, I, I heard it. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's top notch. Thank you. Um, uh, my wife was so jealous, and she was like, "Can I get a line?" And I was like, "Okay, we'll have you." She, she goes at the end. It's Frankie. Oh. It's Frankie. That's good. Oh cool. yeah, someone changed their tune from "This is uh, the whitest thing I've ever heard" to "Can I get on the track?" Can I get in on this? Can yeah, I exactly. A, can I get a little ha. shine on the track. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. Well, that 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 is the extent of the musical, um, my my musical prowess on this show. You I are you are the genius. I, I would love, I would love to hear a Riker song. 
We want to hear a Riker song. We yeah. need a fun fact to sting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Riker. It's Riker. It's Riker. Yeah. Um, there you go. I'll see what You're I can welcome. do. You're, You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to next time. Next time on Set Phasers. Next time, <clears throat> we'll be talking about episode five of season three of Star Trek Picard, entitled Imposters. I wonder if it has to do with changelings. It probably does. Mm, it, yeah. Interesting. That's my guess, right? Probably is like, I bet this goes all the way to the top, as you might say. Indeed, uh, indeed. Just change the people. If you enjoyed the episode, yes, please subscribe and check out our uh, websites and our Instagram. And don't forget, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash setphasers, where we said we will be doing our patron hang at the end of this month. That's patreon.com forward slash setphasers. You're going to like the way you feel. You can find our podcast wherever you get your podcast sold. We've covered every new episode of new Star Trek, starting with the original episodes of Star Trek Discovery and running down through everything except Prodigy, which we might do now. Also, now that I've heard they have an episode called Kobayashi, I had to check it out myself. Uh, well, that's it from us. I am Stevie Mans. And I'm not saying do nothing. I'm saying keep it quiet. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer and program.